Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, I'm your host, Neil Patterson, and joining me this week to chat all things Euro 2020, although it's 2021, is uh, Dave Dunning. So just a pair of us tonight, Dave. So how you doing, mate? Do well. Is it like are the colonies? Are the what are the? Is it? I don't even know. Is it called Euro 2020 still? Oh, it is Euro 2020. Yeah, because they've done all the branding. You see, so we all still have to call it Euro 2020. It even oh, comes okay. up on on TV Euro 2020. So, so we're back in time. Okay, so this is like, so I'm Doc Brown and you're Marty. Uh, you're Marty. You're we Marty. <laughs> That's it. All right. Marty. All right. All right, good, 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 good. Um, yes, I'm good, I'm good, I'm still, like, I know people say it gets good when it gets to the knockout games, but fuck me, I didn't think it was going to get this good. It's been loads and loads of fun, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been it's been mad. I mean, fair play to it. Uh, it's, it's certainly uh, not been dull, not been dull at all, despite our predictions on the last show. So, yeah, listener, you, you were... You may you may remember that on the last show, I think we all kind of predicted that um, Croatia against Spain would be a bit of a bit of a bore draw, perhaps um, perhaps going to, to extra time, maybe Spain sneaking at one nil. Um, far from it, far from it, not a bit of it. So what we ended up with was uh, was five three, and that that's where we're going to start here with our wee roundup of the last sixteen. So, uh, yeah, Spain 5, Croatia 3. Dave, uh, talk us through that one. Yeah, well, I, I said that um, if you get one goal between Spain, Croatia and Germany, England, you'll be doing well. And we got 10. So, <laughs> so not bad. Not, not bad. bad. So I was only I was only a zero out, if you want to look at it that way, which I will. Um, yeah, uh what a what a really good game! I think it's just a, it's just a mad game, isn't it? It starts it starts with the absolutely bizarre own goal, where I think Pedri gives the back pass from it's he's fifty yards from the net. Yeah. No, it is it's 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 a, it is rather a bizarre one. And the keeper, you know, the keeper takes his eye off it, and I think there's a couple of things here. The keeper takes his eye off it. He's being complacent. He's already looking for the next pass because he's like, you know, this is coming from miles away. And maybe that was the thing that it was taking so long for him to get there that he's like, all right, well, what am I going to do with it? And just completely takes his eye off it. But the other thing is, he puts a little bit of spin, a little bit of bend on it. And, you know, I was always told if you're passing the ball back to the goalkeeper, make sure it's not on target. Do you know what I mean? Make sure... It's not with. Make sure you don't pass it to him within the width of the goal, and that's, that's exactly it. and that's exactly what Pedri did. So, you know, I think there's enough blame to go around there. It's one of those freak things, but that that kicked it all off, and then it was like, okay, and I, you know, I thought there were two evenly matched sides, and maybe it did, did turn out that there were two evenly matched sides. But I think what we said, Chief, was that both teams are poor in both boxes. Yeah. Um, and actually, what it turns out is that being poor. At the back, Trump's being poor up top. Um, That's it. And, and, and to be fair to them, both teams found find their shooting boots. To coin that that phrase, I mean, um, even I think Al, Alvaro Morado probably scores the the goal of the game in in injury time or in extra time, sorry, uh, to make it four three. And you know, 
there were some good goals in the game. Uh, but how, I mean, for me, it seemed done at 3-1. Uh, and I couldn't actually believe that Spain had thrown that away from there. Having said that, after it went 3-2, it was, it was altogether predictable that it did go 3-3. I was just going to say exactly that. I was going to say exactly that. You're right, it did look done at 3-1. Do, do you know what? Actually, very much like France-Switzerland, it looked absolutely done at 3-1. But when it went 3-2, you kind of just thought... It's on here? It really is on. It really is, because there was just a massive momentum shift. And Croatia seemed to be, you know, sparked into life. They seemed to be, like, had a jolt of electricity because they were moving the ball quickly. They were making overlapping runs. I think the the equalising goal, the header, I absolutely loved. You know, it's worked all the way from right back out the left wing. And the ball is one of those really great like Trent balls from the other side that's kind of arcing and dipping towards the net. And I can't remember who it is. Maybe Rebic makes this brilliant front post run and just leaves a gap. And whoever it is that scored, I couldn't tell you, one of the itches um, <laughs> just <laughs> nips in and just, you know, textbook header. Pasolic. Pasolic. There you go. Pasolic, there he is. Um, so, yeah, I just, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant goal. And <clears throat> nearly disappointed that Spain score quite early in, in extra time, don't they? About eight or nine minutes in, I think. And it really well, is gone it. then. I think yeah, that's it's about, it's about 10 minutes in. 10 minutes yeah, in. it absolutely swings the momentum the other way. Um, and you're right, Murata, who, you know, is not clinical by any means, but... You know, I have all the respect in the world for the man because what he does is he comes in for a massive amount of criticism weekly and at the point now during a tournament daily for not sticking the ball in the net enough. And he continues to put himself in positions where he can miss chances. And he takes that ball down with a sumptuous first touch and he doesn't have time to think about missing it. He just smashes it into the net. And what a goal. And after that, it's absolutely dead and buried. It's a beautiful finish. It was reminiscent of Fernando Morientes in his pump. Um, Very much so. Yeah, it was. It was a cracking goal. And, and you're right, that did shift the momentum. And then Oriathabal uh, scores three minutes later. And that really is the one-two. That, that's it done. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we said, 3-1, it looked done. So... For Spain to go on and, and cement their um, their uh, advantage there, the the and show their class um, in in the first period of extra time and get the job done was was a testament to them. A great game, though, an absolutely great game. Um, and segueing on there to a team who who also led three one lead slip but didn't go on to make uh, you know make the difference and, and make their class count in, in extra time. We'll swiftly uh, move across to France against Switzerland. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, talk us through this number, Dave. Well, what's, what's gone on here? First of all, we're, you know, I, when I, when I came to the game 20 minutes later, 25 minutes later already, um, you know, France are, France are, are in trouble. And, and you know, at one point it looks like it's gonna go, it's gonna go two nil. 
from the penalty spot, Ricardo Rodriguez steps up. Yeah, I mean, it's 15 minutes on the clock when, when Seferovic gets gets the first for Switzerland. So when I joined 20 minutes in, they were already a goal down. And um, the next the next kind of moment of, of note was on, what, around about 55 minutes when Ricardo Rodriguez steps up and misses a penalty. Or Hugo Lloris saves it, I think. So, yeah, talk, talk us through this one. <clears throat> It's just, it's just an absolutely bonkers, bizarre game of football. I, you know, I didn't think anything could be better than the. Um, I didn't think any, anything could be better than the the game before it, the Spain Croatia game, and then he's done and Deschamps. I don't know, Chief. I don't know about you, but I think Deschamps is really, really exposed here for. The limited manager that he is, and I think Absolutely. we'll come on to we'll come on to talk about kind of managers' credentials in this tournament, and you know whether this is going to be where the tournament is won, because there's not really a team left that you know is really packed full of star quality, say for maybe Belgium. So you know he starts up back three. Which apparently, you know, he's been the manager seven years and I heard that he, this is the fourth time that he's done that. The fact that it takes him to half time to change that is absolutely beyond me. This baffles me sometimes. Mourinho gets lot, has been lauded for this in the past. Oh, you made you made three changes ten minutes in. Oh, wow, you're amazing. No, do you know what? He saw he made a fucking hor- horrendous error in judgment in all the analysis that he did and decided he needed to do something to fix it urgently. And Deschamps just waited the half time like it was the most natural thing in the world. Um, and Switzerland looked like world champions in the first half. They absolutely dominated the game of football, I thought. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly give France, well, they give them a runaround. France were, were chasing shadows at, at, at times. Um, but obviously... You mentioned the, the tactical uh, tactical um, move from from Deschamps there. I mean, my thoughts on on Deschamps are you know probably much the same as as, as yours. He's got the best players in the world, and he's he's just throwing them he's throwing them onto the pitch and and hoping they they do the business for him. They've they've not as you mentioned pre-pod they've not evolved at all under his stewardship. If anything, they've they've regressed. And the complacency that's there for all to see means that he's not doing his job um, correctly or well enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you talk about waiting half time, and and you know that 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 almost wasn't enough because, as I said, they could have been two 0 down in fifty five minutes, and and unfortunately for well. In the end, it didn't matter. But at the time, and unfortunately for Ricardo Rodriguez, he stepped up. He hit that penalty with with no confidence whatsoever, almost as if he couldn't believe the position that that he found himself and and his team potentially in. Um, and that <clears throat> that obviously sparked France into life. And you know, two quick punches, bam, bam, from 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 Benzema looked to have turned the tide. And when Pogba had the freedom of of the park to to bend in that that beauty. You know his celebration pretty much encapsulated the mood that uh, seemed to, seemed to then permeate the French side, which was this is done. And and don't get me wrong, 
I think a lot of people watching at home and in the stands thought thought it could be done as well, but um, it certainly wasn't to be. And and yeah, poor defending, <clears throat> good finishing um, for both of the the next two Swiss goals. But um, there there also seemed to be some kind of inevitability to that after after Seferovic certainly uh, pulls one back. Well, it's on, it's on, it's on the cards, isn't it? It's on the cards. Um, you know, France probably play well for 15 minutes, maybe 10, 10, 10, 15 minutes in that match. And with the quality they have, it's enough. You know, Benzema's first goal, Christ at night, the pass from Mbappe, because as we've, as we've previously discussed, because he's brutal, is awful. It's bad. It's, it's a yard behind him, and somehow he gathers it in with his left laces. And it's some dra- touch, like it and some touch. It, it's absolute. It, like talk about ingenuity, do you know? It's talk, It's filthy, to be fair. Like it's, it's, ab- it's outrageous. It's outrageous. The fact that the fact that he sees where that pass is going, that should be in front of him. That should be the other side of him. It's a, a horrible, horrible pass. And the fact that Benzema is able to make a chance out of it and score in just the audacious fashion in the way he did was absolutely brilliant. It is for me. I know everybody will go on about Pogba's goal. That's 10 times the goal that Pogba's was. It's absolutely yeah, ph- I mean, it's phenomenal. It's world-class. I mean, it's world-class centre-forward play. It, it absolutely is. I mean, Pogba's goal will, you know, gets the, gets the, the highlight reels. Uh, and, and, you know, in a France win, probably would have been the, the one most oft uh, replayed and re-shown. Um, having said that, <clears throat> now both goals will probably end up getting forgotten as 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 France lost. Um, so yeah, I mean it's. I mean I think we're right to to kind of praise Switzerland there. I think they, they played very well, but also right to touch on the fact that France, as you said, only only turned up for fifteen or twenty minutes, and 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 the difference was so noticeable in those fifteen or twenty minutes that I don't think. Any of them can really um, refute that claim. Um, no, they, and Chief, I think that I I think that's down solely to the penalty miss. You you know what that can do to your team. Yeah, you know, yeah. and Louis saves it, and he's up and he's celebrating it like it was a goal. Because let's be honest, a penalty save is as good as a goal. You should score it, and literally from that very second, France are off and running. They're off and run, and they get themselves a two-goal lead, and then it's like, Haha, we are the world champions. We shall not be beaten. Well, you know, Pogba, you know, they concede the first goal, and like to make a three-two. Then there's a goal disallowed that's marginally offside, and you'd think, do you know what? Get a bit of shape and get a bit of structure. But that's something this France team don't seem to have: a shape and a shape and structure, and that's. Kind of personified by Griezmann's absolutely, you know, non-possession that he takes up in both an offensive and a defensive capacity. France uh, didn't yeah. look as though France didn't look as though there any defensive shape at all. No, and Mbappe's right. lingering in the halfway line half the time. They don't press from the front. Benzema is sometimes doing work to come back and help the midfield. Um, but you know. I heard it mentioned the other week. I think what France actually miss is that that uh, linchpin of Matuidi in the middle of the park doing all that dirty work where he's just a complete athlete covering for everybody else's 
lack of tactical discipline or probably more accurately, <laughs> lack of tactical instruction. Well, that's it. There is For me, there's no tactical instruction going on there because they all look lost. And, <clears throat> and we've seen that ourselves at, at club level various times the you know particularly in the, in, the, in the Hudson era where there's no there's no <clears throat> there's no coherent plan to deal with anything that falls outside the sphere of you know what's entirely expected if there's any if there's anything causing a causing your system a problem you're you're screwed and that's that seems to be the way with 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 this this team you you know you so yeah, it, it 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 you know I was gonna say as you as you mentioned you know all those those issues there the Griezmann issue Mbappe the complacency and and the lack of pressing from the front pressing as a unit it all smacks of of not much work being done behind the scenes not much work being done on the training field as as a unit and more just being relied upon to to show your individual skill. Um, <clears throat> So anyway, so what do what do we make of Mbappe then? I know, like, I, and like, obviously, what I said on the last the last pod was very much tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek, of course. But he's had he's been really, really poor. And I think he, I think Mbappe needs to get get out of France, get out of the did, French league, get away did, from PSG. Did you not he, think it was inevitable that he was going to miss that penalty? hundred percent. Hundred percent. I thought it was so inevitable that Deschamps should have not allowed him to take it. Uh, you couldn't have written the script for it. It was so obvious, you know. Uh, just as much as it was obvious, obvious that you know France were going to win the last one. Almost it was it the last World Cup. It was it, it was kind of as obvious that he was going to be the villain here. And missed the pen. First of all, he's the only forward that stayed on the pitch long enough to take a penalty. But it was it was nailed on because everybody else had scored. Mbappe had had a bad tournament. All the talk had been he's had a bad game. All the talk was about Mbappe not scoring. Here he is. All he can do is feel. All he can do is feel because if he puts it in the net. He doesn't win anything. They don't win anything. They just go on to the next penalty and everyone forgets, oh, well done, you scored. Who cares? So at that point, at 5-4 down, all you can do is feel. You know, if you score, nobody, you know, you're just, you, you're, you're relieved. Relief is the only is the only emotion. Yeah, you feel, you're, that's it, sudden death. It's sudden death is called for a reason because you die suddenly and, you know, that's what happened to France. Their tournament was over, and that's what happened to to Mbappe's love affair with, with the French fans, probably, and the French fans' love affair with Mbappe. Because once you miss a penalty to get your team knocked out of a of a major tournament, you know that's never really forgotten. Just ask Gareth Southgate; that's why he's wearing waistcoats. So, so yeah, it it was it was a bit it was harsh on him, uh, but he had a poor tournament. I wonder is his head elsewhere? It certainly wasn't with the France team. Whether that's because of the ructions that are going on there behind the scenes, as there often are, or whether it's more to do with this club situation, having reportedly asked uh, or told the club that he wants to leave, I don't know. But you're right, he had, he had a poor tournament. But if, if Mbappe wants to continue to be talked about as one of the best in the world, as uh, as a re- really relevant top athlete, he needs to get away from PSG. 
I don't know what you think on that, like, but uh, I just think that being there year after year is is doing him no favors. I don't know. It's a difficult one. I thought that I thought there might have been some sort of reinvigoration when Pochettino came in. Um, I know, obviously, they 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 did they failed at the end this year, but you know they're they're signing they're signing significant players proven winners which is what they've lacked you know you can bring in all the best players in the world but they're bringing in the likes of Wijnaldum and Ramos here proven winners at both domestic and European level they've won everything basically between them and I'm talking World Cups and uh, European Championships as well because Ramos has done the heap so you know, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They are, they are, but I mean, the combined age there between Genie and Sergio Ramos of what, sixty-four? Um, yeah, well, probably more than that. Probably more. Yeah. Uh, there, there were, and you did mention it. There were rumours about a fallout with Olivier Giroud. I think I'm not sure. Fingers might be pointed at Benzema and the very kind of almost Thomas Muller-esque desperation in completely going back on a decision that was made for whatever reason, you know, two very different reasons, but certainly Benzema is something that, you know, you would have expected him not to come back from. Um, And Deschamps puts him in. And to be fair to Benzema, he's probably, he's Francis shining light in the tournament. He's the one player that actually shows up and delivers. But I just wonder how much impact that's had on Mbappe, on maybe some of the other players, maybe someone like, I don't know, Encante, uh, Encante. N'Golo Kante wasn't at his best. Um, maybe him being the kind of individual that he is, maybe frown upon, something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but it, well, it seemed, it seemed like all wasn't, what, all wasn't happy in the French like... camp. Mm? Yeah, well, I think most people would, would frown upon what what, what Benzema did, and, and for me, it, for me, it was when I would heard that. I heard that the week ten days before the tournament, Julian Laurent said it on the Totally Football European show, and I said then that was my reason for for saying, as I said pre-pod, thinking that France could have crashed. If, if this had been a, and I'm going to say proper tournament, so don't jump on me for saying that, but. Ha- if it had been two teams going through and two teams going out from each group, I would have tipped France to go out in, in, in the group stage uh, off the back of reintroducing a Benzema character into the dressing room, given all his history and given the history in the French camp in general and also knowing that people weren't that chuffed with Deschamps. So... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of has happened. It's been a bit of a 2002 for them uh, again, and, and they're out. So, yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll leave it there on them. Which, uh, we've got plenty more to get through, but certainly a big shock. And, and the Swiss go into the next round then, obviously, to to play Spain. And that game will be kicking off uh, on Friday the 2nd of July, uh, 6 p.m. Central European time, 5 p.m. UK. So you can catch that. Um, so yeah, on to on to the next um, last sixteen game, which we had there was uh, Wheels nil Denmark four. Um, 
Yeah, a bit of an inflated scoreline towards the end. I think two goals in the last five minutes or, you know. He, he, yeah, two goals in injury time, wasn't it? In, in injury time almost, yeah. Wales kind of kind of losing the plot a wee bit at the end, although I think the red card was a bit of a mad one from the referee, to be honest. Bizarre. Um, what do you make of this one then, Dave? Um, Denmark, look, I think, I think Denmark have really looked good bar the second half of the Finland game where obviously there was yeah they were traumatized you know, yeah that you know you shouldn't you should that that shouldn't have happened that game of football shouldn't have been finished then that's you know but it, it was um i think they played well against belgium and were really unlucky to lose that game they go out and they smash russia and now they've gone out and smashed um uh, wales and what the you know i think that they nullified Bale and they had a, a really solid defensive structure. Um, they didn't allow Ramsey to get in the ball in dangerous areas. And, you know, Wales didn't really offer a great deal. And Denmark just had more quality players, maybe not players the standard of Bale and Ramsey, but they had more quality players over the pitch, both at the front end and the back end. And that quality shone through at the end. Martin Braithwaite, or Brathwaite, as I think is the correct pronunciation, has become kind of a joke figure because Barcelona signed him from Levante. But let me tell you, Martin Brathwaite is a very, very good footballer and he's been showing it in this tournament. Um, certainly not the level of of Barcelona, but, you know... And he doesn't have the name for them either, let's be honest. Certainly not. Certainly not. No more than Gary Lineker did. Um, well, at least I mean to be fair, Lineker is a little bit more glamorous than Braithwaite, but uh, but but not much. No, not much. <laughs> so so you know, it's um, but your man Dahlberg looks good. Dahlberg again, he's been around. You know, he's been around the block. Dahlberg um, didn't he have an injury and he's coming back from that? Or yeah, I think so. He's been at Ajax, I think, for a long time now. Um, you know, they've got Simon Kjar. Kiar or whatever you call him at the back. Um, Schmeichel, obviously, again, Premier League winner. They've got big, and it looks like they've got big characters, and it looks like those big characters really stood up after the Ericsson incident, I think is what we're calling yeah. it now. Um, they stood the up. Incident, the incident. Yeah, the, yeah, the event. Um, and they really stood up, and that could have that could have traumatised a group of players, and they could have, you know, retreated to within themselves but actually it's had the opposite effect and you know it's funny you know <laughs> the last time Denmark went and won well the only time they've won anything was was the European Championships in which they snuck in through not even the back door through like a White House like JFK tunnel after um, Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia had been expelled yeah. and they go and they, they beat Germany in the final 2-0 with a John Jensen thunderbolt and the mad things happened. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, you know, mad things, when mad things happen to a, to a team, and we've seen it at Liverpool, you know, we all point at the traumatic 4-0 hammering at, um, at Spurs that day as the turning point for this particular team overall. And 
you know, it takes something really bad to happen. Obviously, you know, you wouldn't hope that something that bad ever happens again, but and, and wouldn't take that. But sometimes it takes something like that just to just for just to bond a group of people to maybe just put that extra ten or fifteen percent in to play for one another or to have and it it's it's more than just winning it. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I you can't you can't uh, ever really. Um kind against the the influence of of like having a having a cause having a having a greater purpose to to kind of uh work for rather than just your own sort of personal glory and and success or the success of a nation and i suppose they can they can dedicate this in a way to to ericsson and you you know as you rightly say they could have gone either way on it but you know thankfully obviously ericsson is making a full recovery it seems and that's obviously helped them to to get focused on 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 the tournament and and it was a good performance against Wales. It was it was professional for me. It was I don't know what the referee's doing sending Harry Wilson off for me. He should not be given another European Championship game. Should not be given another it's game mental. at this level. It's not yeah. up to you to suddenly decide you don't like a tackle, which is no more than a yellow card at, at very worst. You know you can't just make up the rules. Um, yeah, there would be you, you'd be looking at that if it was yellow, thinking it's a bit harsh. Exactly, it was just a, it's a terrible decision from the referee. I don't know what he's thinking. And, and the game's I, dead then, and maybe that's maybe that is what he's thinking. The game's dead, and these are losing. They're they're gonna they're, they might lose they might lose the rag. So I'm gonna stamp down on the dirty, and maybe that's well, what the point is. Yeah, you don't if you, you it's the wrong move because obviously the word the only the. For me, the exemplification of something getting out of control is the referees brandishing a red card in the 90th minute of a game. And yeah, he's just lost the plot really for for a moment there, the ref, and and that's added a bit of insult to the injury and ignominy that that, that was already a two 0 defeat to become a four 0 defeat really there uh, off the back yeah. of that. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not that unhappy to see it after they put us out in the last tournament. So. You know? No, I, 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 I don't care. I have no affinity for Wales whatsoever. Uh, I don't like them. I don't dislike them. Um, they, for me, had no chance of ever doing anything at this tournament. It's nice that they got into the next round. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens within the future. All the best. So, yeah, uh, Denmark through, and they will, of course, face the Czech Republic, not the Netherlands. Uh, who were shocked by said checks? Um, well, in one of the earlier matches in the last sixteen, and this one finishes two nil. Another game where there's a where there's a red card, and where the red yeah. Well, card... there's three things to talk. There's three things to talk about here, Chief. So where do you want to start? We're going to start with the red card. We can start with Ronald De Boer, or we can start with Patrick Schick. So I think it. Probably start with the the red card as it it certainly changed the game. So you thought it was at, harsh. Well, at that point, it was Netherlands had been huffing and puffing. Czech Republic had shut them down pretty effectively. It had been quite a physical shutting down of the Netherlands, uh, who had missed some good chances in the first half. Um, but it was nicely poised, and for me. Yes, I did feel it was a little bit harsh. I I totally understand why it's given. If you if if people say, oh, he's the last man, it's a deliberate handball and yada and yada and yada. 
but for me, it's it's incredibly harsh under the circumstances, uh, given the match, given the enormity of the match, given the fact that it's outside the box, given the fact that for me, I think it's Schick who's the the attacker. I think he's leaning all over, um, all over the defender there, Delict. Obviously, Delict, it's weak from him. He goes down, and it's a stupid move. Um, but for me. It massively changes the game, and given that the referee sees the entire incident clearly and gives a yellow, and then is directed to it by VAR to go and watch what he's just watched already, and then decides to change his mind, that always sticks in my throat a little bit. So yeah, uh, I thought it was harsh, but I don't think there's any doubt that it massively affected the game. What, what are you? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I think it's stupid from delete and I have very little sympathy for him. I think it's kind of up in the air. Is it is it is it yellow? Is it red? I know this is a stupid thing to say, but it's probably one of those orange cards. Do you know what I mean? It's on the edge of the box. If he does I, th- I suppose the question is if he doesn't handle it or touch it, is it a goal scoring opportunity? He's breaking into the box with the ball. But he you hasn't touched for me for me, he hasn't touched the ball. So uh-huh. I, I get that he could he could miscontrol it. He, you know, could, he probably won't. He, he probably could won't, miscontrol could. it. Do you know what he could miscontrol it? And and therein brings me back to my original point. It's a stupid thing for Delete to do because I think he knows himself. He's running the risk of a red card. We see. We just talked about the Harry Wilson decision. We see some daft decisions being made, and it's the same as the Pavard one. You know, you just there's just some things on a football pitch. That you just sometimes do out of instinct. And before you even do them, you think to yourself, this is a fucking stupid idea. And then you do it and you're like, oh, that was a stupid idea. And he's getting up. And I think he's getting up from that hoping I'm going to get away with this. And then sees the yellow and is like, probably got away with one there a little bit. And then he sees the red. And, and then he gets, yeah. Then he gets done over, you know. VAR by okay. Stuart Atwell, of course. Of course, well, obviously. And again, you know, maybe if he played in England, he'd realise that there's even more stupid decisions made than there are in, in other countries in international in, football. In, in the Premier League, for me, that's a red card. But I'm not convinced it's a red card in the Champions League. Oh, fuck's sake, Chief! In the Premier League, that could be anything. Well, that's true. That is true. It could be anything. If it's a Liverpool player in the Premier League, it's a red. card. Oh, there's but no, there's right. not even VAR. There's, there's, no consistency. there's no consistency. But yeah, I mean, never mind the, the right to the wrongs. It, it it sort of happened. So yeah, what do you make of the checks then? Actually, pretty real dark horses. The checks are like Sam Allardyce's Bolton team, aren't they? They are. They're um, they're incredibly physical, strong. Don't concede a lot of goals, but they've they've got that little bit of flair and that little bit of class, which can you know, which which they showed a little bit of chic. Yeah, <laughs> very well, very very well played, very good. Um, yeah, he just he just looks like he can't miss at the minute. He looks like everything Timo Werner isn't. Um, just a guy that gets the ball, <laughs> in, it's just get, he gets gets the ball in front of the goal and sticks it in the net. And you know, he's on four goals now, four goals in four games. And the goals he scored have been of the highest quality. Like absolutely, absolutely. His, he- his header against Scotland, I think, is not talked about enough. 
it's because on, he scored from the halfway line. It's yeah, because he scored from the halfway line. Yeah. His header's unbelievable. He gets up bet- like when I say between two, I mean sandwiched between two, and the direction and power he puts in the ball is absolutely world class. It's a phenomenal header. And actually, I meant to say earlier on, uh, a shout out for Seferovic's first header against France, because that, again, is one of the most difficult headers to score from. There's not a wild lot of pace on the ball, and he's under pressure as well, and he puts it back the way it came, but has to put it right down in the bottom corner, and he does it. Unreal. Anyway, I digress. So... Yeah, he scores from the halfway line with an unbel. And I know people will say, "Where was the goalkeeper?" But if that's a f- if that's half a yard lower, the keeper actually gets his hand to it. It has to be right under the crossbar, and he puts it right under the crossbar. It's a magnificent goal, and it's, the keeper's uh, not not that. He might might start off far out, but he ends up, as you say, almost getting to it. And if it's not a postage stamp of a, and if it's not hit that hard and with that, it's not going to go in. No, so abs- it's absolutely a fabulous, not. fabulous goal. You know, and I think then what he, he scores the penalty against, uh, he scores the penalty against Croatia. Then isn't that right? Yep. So you know, steps up and then the he spot. scores, and then he scores the the, the second one there against. And against then he scores the second one, lovely, and again a lovely, lovely near post finish. Yeah, just sweeps it in at the near post. Um, First catches. Time. Yeah, first time, catches the keeper, takes a shot early, love that from a forward. And again, see, for me, that just shows a forward that's in form. When, right, in form, right, yeah. with confidence. Bang in form where they just they don't even think about it. They don't, they don't want another touch. They don't need another touch. They just think, I know where I'm putting that, and it's going in the net. And that's what he did. And it was, again, another what will be highly underrated finish from, from the guy. So, you know, it's all a little bit Milan Barros, isn't it? Yeah, only only Patrick knows how to look up, which well, is, which yeah. which is nice. Which was showed uh, by his goal against uh, against Scotland from the halfway line. He certainly knows how to look up. That's it. Milan would never have seen that. Never mind. Milan, tried he, he would he would have still been running to the byline. That's it. <laughs> with the Head ball down, his feet. looking at the ball, looking at his feet. <laughs> Takes a look um, up after 30 or 40 strides to see where he is on the pitch. Oh, dear. Um, So, yeah, so, like, I think Holland had the one chance, don't really the one chance, the the Malin chance, where he he doesn't take it around the keeper. Um, And the keeper does well. It comes before the sending off. It comes just a minute before the sending off. And, uh, you know, uh, on, on minutes like that game's turn. And, and so it proved. So it proved for the Netherlands, who, despite being highest scorers in the uh, in the group stage, uh, go crashing out, having failed to register. Uh, Frank de Boer, which is touched on him briefly, a lot of stick going into the tournament, not regarded as a top manager, hasn't had much success at club level. Your opinion on him changed at all? It's just so bizarre the way his career's gone, hasn't it? He won four titles in a row at Ajax and then he goes to Inter and is sacked after like three months. And then he goes and coaches in America and then he goes to Palace. I think after sacked that. after four games. Sacked after, well, I think, doesn't he go, doesn't he manage 10 games and like loses them all or something? Or, or gets four? 
it's four le- four well four league games anyway. Is that what it is? Or he loses yeah. seven games? Maybe is that what it is between seven games in a row between cup games and Carding Cup or yeah. something? Yeah. So that yeah, and then I think where is he? Is he in Turkey or somewhere? Or Fenerbahce or somewhere like that? Which is, and I think he's at Fenerbahce that league that that random Basic Seer team yeah, in the league. here. You know, uh, so you know, and then it's a bit, it's a bit harsh on Holland. You know, the Boers doing it are not the Boer. Cumin seems to be doing a decent job, and then you know, that's let's be honest, that that's the end of his rainbow. Barcelona, he played for Barcelona. He scores the winner in their first European Cup um, final. The the, the winner. Uh, was it that was late? It, was it? I think it was earlier than that, mate. I think it was maybe ninety one or something, ninety two, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Uh, um, but yeah, he scored that. That was a free kick, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know, one of their, one of their, you know, and, and I, you know, some some listeners may not have any idea what sort of player Ronald Koeman was, but oh my god, there has never been a player like him. Centre back. A no nonsense centre back who could like run a bit like Steve Nickel, but from centre half, who could just like run sixty yards and score a goal from thirty. He would just like run the ball sixty yards and then hit it from thirty yards. It wouldn't be interesting getting near the post. Free kicks, penalties, absolute pile drivers. Just an unbelievably gifted player. Um and they bring De Boer in, and you're kind of thinking like, who else? And it's a bit kind of, it's a bit caretakery, I suppose. And I think we're maybe all a bit duped by how well they do in a relatively poor group because they're scoring loads of goals. But what they do, Chief, I think, and I think we've seen this a lot so far, and we've maybe talked about it without talking about it. You know, Deschamps, for an example, um, maybe Wales were. A manager who's not particularly tactically astute comes up against a team that absolutely know what they're doing. They're well drilled. They're well organised. Everybody knows their individual roles. They know how to they know how to shut down the space. They know how to restrict the team to chances, and they have players that can capitalise at the other end in a few moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So. I just uh, just on that, yeah, you're right. It was it was it was a wee bit earlier. It was was 1992. So 92, yeah, okay. Uh, against Sampdoria, against the Italians. I think uh, I think that was actually shown, wasn't it? it was shown on BBC. Something yeah, like and I think uh, what a nice segue might be for that because I think Sampdoria were a fabulous side and and and, and that day and they didn't go in to that match and play. They they they, they just. Didn't look like they wanted to win the game, but I think I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain the two centre forwards that played on that day were um, the Italian team manager Gianluca Viali and the Italian manager Roberto Mancini. Yeah, absolutely, they were indeed, and that moves us nicely along to to Italy. What a segue, indeed. That was good, wasn't it? It was absolutely, and uh, from. From Greece in the pitch um, in the 1992 European Cup final to Greece in the touchlines in the 20 in Euro at Euro 2020, it is Roberto Mancini, and of course he is the Italy manager, and Italy looking good, 
needed extra time against a, a resolute Austria, I would say, but uh, the result probably never too much in doubt. Um, and yeah, the, they, they the offside to, goal kind of I think made everybody well, certainly yeah, all the a little. Yeah, um, I know certainly yeah, I mean, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, what is going to happen now? I was but, quite, quite sure that it was going to be flagged. But um, again, I was watching sort of a little bit from a distance. So maybe I wasn't emotionally involved enough um, to, to have my heart in my mouth. But but yeah, it, it was flagged. And it was Arnautovic, wasn't it, who was slightly off? Yeah. And... Um, and yet Italy go on at fine margins, but they go on in, in 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 extra time. Sorry to 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 wrap up the to wrap up the victory, going two nil up through fabulous goal from Chiesa, one of the goals of the tournament so far. Superb. And then uh, Pessina, Matteo Pessina with the the second, and that looked done and dusted. But Sasa Kaladzic made it a, a sort of a tense final five or six minutes after getting a. Um, Getting one back for the Austrians, um, but yeah, you know, comfortable enough. I think uh, stats-wise, you know, possession roughly 50-50. Italy kind of dominating the shot count, and and in the end, their 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 class and their um, yeah, their the persistence, sticking to their game plan, just paid off. Yeah, they. Um, I think. I think what I said about Italy at the start of the tournament was that they've they've got they've got two right. Sorry, let me just try let me try and articulate this a little bit better. If you look at England, they have as talented forwards in Grealish, Foden, Sterling, Kane. You know, uh, even Ollie Watkins. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone out. Saka. Uh, who? Yeah, there's more. I think even Sancho. You know, Sancho. Yeah, but but you can't really see how they all fit together. It's Kane and two, really, and it could be any two. Whereas what you've got here is you've got pretty much three front threes. You've got Insigne, Immobile, and Berardi, and then you've got Bellotti, um, Bernadeschi, and and Chiesa. And then you have the kind of foil to the two out-and-out centre-forwards who are very different, you know. And I think this is the other thing. The, 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 and the foil is the, the, the wild card, the Raspadori lad, who's kind of this weird little floaty, not quite number 10, false nine sort of player. Um, but what you've got in there is you've got players that are all the same but very different. Immobile is that guy that wants to constantly run in behind. Just a, Which is a, funny for a guy whose name in English is Immobile. Yeah, I know, I know, right? But it, it, he's, he's the absolute opposite of that. He's a proper goal sniffer, you know. Will take on any sort of chance. Will try and score from anywhere. Scores back heels from the, from the edge of the box. And, you know, mad, mad stuff. Um, as well as tapping from two yards out. And then you've got... The big bruiser, Bellotti, the big battering ram. If it's not going your way, if you need to start crossing the ball into the box against the likes of a Denmark or a, I don't know who else it might be. Um, 
And then what you have is, and this is the point that I was coming to, is that I think what Mancini has is he's got a very solid system and a very distinct way of playing. Um, but what he has is he's options off the bench that can absolutely change the game. Bernard, uh, Berardi and Chiesa couldn't be more opposite in footballers and attacking players. Berardi is is direct and fast and, you know, is always going towards goal. Chiesa is just so talented. Um, and it, it's epitomised by his goal. You know, that's not a goal Bernadette scores. The header, the, the kind of, the header down to control it, I think, is almost the best part about that goal. And then the touchdown under the defender is almost like, it's almost the same type of thing Burkamp does in, yeah, in the World Cup. Sl- slightly poor man's version of, of the Burkamp yeah, goal. Yeah, but not, just, not, not, not necessarily the goal, but just that touch. It's just that touch where he knocks it down under, under the defender's studs and then volleys it home. And I think he's an absolute star, but, you know, I think... I don't know what I don't know what you think, but I I, I backed them to win it, and I still think they're far and away the best team in the tournament. No, I I do too. They're one of the only they're one of the only real teams in the tournament. They're one of the only sides that looks like a, a coherent unit and plays like it. And you're absolutely you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, they're they're up against Belgium. Uh, and we'll 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 roll them in uh, now as well because they're up against Belgium in the next round. Belgium, of course, putting Portugal out in what was rather a drab game, won by a goal which, yeah, it was a good strike. Is being lauded as great, but for me, keeper is very very suspect on. But one 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 goal was enough from Torgan Hazard to, to put Portugal out, and Portugal who. I was going to say flattered to deceive, but but didn't even bother in in that uh, game in the last sixteen. They they very much were looking to to as you said before bore their way through, and um, and I think um, the the coach was on record as saying it was really going to be a, a a dog fight, and you know they were really going for for the nil nil, and and in the end they they went down one nil. So uh, Italy have it all on against Belgium, but. Belgium on on that evidence they looked one they looked a little bit leggy already two De Bruyne seems to be injured um, three Hazard Eden Hazard that is yeah the fat the, Hazard the bigger the bigger Hazard the bigger Hazard yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he uh, doesn't look fit either and. Italy have had an extra day or two, or will have had an extra day or two, I think, potentially, to, to get uh, ready an and recover. Extra day. For this game. So, yeah, I fancy Italy. Um, but if Italy are going to win it, they're obviously in the tough side of the draw, potentially got, getting Spain, certainly the winners of Spain or Switzerland, after uh, they beat Denmark or Belgium, should they, should they do that. Um, yeah, it seems, they, I don't know. See, just before we get on to that, I just I just wanted to ask you. It's, I think this is this is quite strange. Um, the two, oh, I think, obviously Spain and, and Italy are the two sides that probably look look the best, that look like they know what they're doing. Um, as far as being able to go both ways, attack and defend. I know we talked about the Czechs 
um, etc. And, and you know they're set up they're set up resolutely. But these two teams really know what they're doing all over the pitch, and it's not often you see international teams managed by two managers who have like really excelled at elite level management. You know, got like literally gone and won the biggest competitions. Um, so you know, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Is is this can't be coincidence, can it? No, definitely not. I mean, they're first of all, they're they're managers who garner the utmost respect from their uh, charges, shall we say, from their from their players because uh, they have they've done it. They've they've won the top honors in the game. So often you get managers international, and actually both I think about it both as as both players and managers actually. Well, that's it. They they're through and through. Nobody can, no player at any point, no matter how good they think they are, can can throw their toys out of the pram at either manager, can kind of point the finger and say, what would you know? Which is often not the case at international level. Often the players are of a much higher talent level than, than the management. Um, often... Even as players, you know, it's not often the top players go on to become top managers. We know that. So, so yeah, it's 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 not a coincidence. And you, you touched on, I think, the last time. It's these are the two sides that, that play like club sides, and they've got they've got very successful club managers behind them. But they will play each other before the final. Should Italy manage to beat Belgium? Um, what are your thoughts on that? First of all. You know, a thought or two on 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 Portugal, Belgium, and then and then how do you see Italy, Belgium going? Oh, Portugal, Belgium. I like this is not too much to say, I suppose. Yeah, really. And you know what? This is the mad thing about this tournament. I was looking at, you know, Portugal, Belgium was going to be the team, going to be the game with all the goals, and actually, it's the lowest scoring game in the round. Yeah. Um, Portugal, <laughs> Portugal had surprised me because they. They they looked like they actually had a, a a bit of attacking intent, um. But maybe that was kind of maybe I wasn't paying enough attention because there's been so much football on. And maybe that was just because Ronaldo scores two tap ins and, and three penalties, and it looks like they're actually an attacking outfit when really they're really they're just playing against teams like France and Hungary and Germany that are just not really particularly good at the back. McCoy said it during commentary in the commentary in the France match that. You know, say what you want about this French team and all their talent, but they'll give you a chance. And that was a three-one. And fuck me, they didn't have give give Switzerland chances. So it kind of really reverted the type there. Maybe the Germany game scared them, and they went back to that that Portugal side that literally bored their way. Talk about Greece being the worst winners or the most boring winners. That Portugal side was brutal to watch. They won one game in ninety minutes out of seven in that last tournament. So. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they're away. Um, Belgium seem a lot more fun. I don't know. I I don't know. I I'm confused by Belgium, Chief. I'm confused by them. I think I think they're they're soft. I don't think their manager is particularly good. I think their centre backs have an accumulative age of 125, and um, Martinez is. It's Bobby Martinez, but they've got players, as you said, 
De Bruyne might not be fit and Hazard might not be fit, which is going to be a massive blow. But even Joe, throw Lukaku in there. They've got players that can win games, but I just think they're, I think they're maybe just a bit old and a bit done and a bit soft now. No, I, I would go along with that. I mean, I didn't even look at them for this tournament because I felt I had looked at them for the previous two and it's the same team and they're older and not in a good way at this stage. But they've looked like they mean business. Um, you know, even after going down against Denmark in a game that they, they didn't have to win, you know, they, they came back and, and made made a point of winning it. Uh, and they've looked strong. They, they were... You know, they even outboard Portugal and won a one nil, which is not the easiest thing to do because when Portugal set their mind, that Portugal side sets its mind on boring you, boring you to death. They usually manage it. So I backed Portugal because I thought that was exactly the sort of game that a Roberto Roberto Martinez team would lose. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I mean. So that's kind of I I didn't actually expect Belgium to get past Portugal. So. I'm rather surprised that they have. I'm wondering if the cumulative injuries and the strain of always playing a day uh, after their next opponents, it seems to have been happening to them and it's happening to them again this time, and the quality of, of opponent they're going to be up against this time in Italy, I wonder, is that going to be a, a step too far? But for me, it's probably going to, now I'm saying this, it's probably going to be a dullard. But for me, this is the, the tie of the round. Um and probably it's the glamour it is the glamour tie there's no doubt about it yeah um, it's the glamour tie in a way in that Italy are always glamorous Belgium not so much but certainly with the with the players yeah it 100% is and since I also backed Italy I think the winner's going to come out of this one but at the same time it's it's tight it's tight I, I didn't expect um, Belgium to be the opponent so it's, it should be some game Having said that, now it'll be nil nil and <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I think, I think, I think Italy will have too much energy for them. Nearly, um, yeah. I think they're really good at the breakdown. I think when the ball goes loose in midfield, I think they're just they're terriers. Vitzel's really he's the linchpin in that side. He's the real big player. He's the thing that makes everything else work. Um, and it, it gets the last group game. I think he gets half an hour or something, and then he plays ninety minutes. That's the first he's played since January, you know. And like you say, they are a, they are a bit older and they are a bit like again. De Bruyne has had a long, long season, a long season, and he's injured again. And he's really the guy along with Lukaku. So. I don't know. I think Chiellini's meant to be back. So Bernucci and Chiellini trying to snuff out Lukaku, it'll it, it'll probably be one there. But I think more than anything else, it'll probably be one on the touchline. Yeah, no, I think all of that's fair. I'm back in Italy um, because of basically what you've touched on there. Their their youth, their 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 stamina, their exuberance, their tactical. Um, game plan which has been working you know they've been working so well so far and, and they have that extra day so I think it's it's in their favour um, so yeah let's see it should, should be a humdinger um, 
So moving moving swiftly on then. Yeah, Chief, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about England Germany. You know, you'll have a bit more insight um, being over there when the when the game was on and what the, mm. the feeling is like locally. And there's been a, a lot of praise for for England and their performance and you know Southgate being vindicated in his more kind of pragmatic approach to the game. It's but so typical. So yeah, typical. It, it really is. But you two know, plus two equals five. Yeah. Yeah, two plus two equals equals England are better than everyone else um, at everything. But I don't know. There was it's I I feel like this is a bit similar to the Croatia game, where I don't think England are particularly good. Um, I think Germany have chances, probably more chances than that Germany team should get. Certainly in behind them, and England end up. Well, I don't know. They kind of bring Jack. I don't want to be too reductive about this, but they kind of bring Jack Grealish on, and they they score two goals and and win the match, and Müller misses a sitter. But you know, are this Germany team that bad, and are, and are the English media reading too much into this victory? Yes, and yes. This Germany team is terrible, and the only reason I wasn't sticking my house on England beating them was because. With Southgate's tactics, that was the only way they could potentially not win. Um, yes, England are massive. The English media are massively overblowing it because they beat Germany, and that's what they do. Um, so let's just wait and see. For me, England are where they are despite Southgate, not because of him. Um, but while they're having success, it's quite easy to argue the opposite. Um, so, so let's just see, but this Germany team, let's, let's, let's just be clear about this. It's shocking. It's the worst Germany team there's been. Well, going back to probably 2000, Euro 2004, uh, where they, where they crashed out and they had that, that massive, that they had the, the reboot and, and started the system, which then England decided they would copy a, a few years later and the system which which produced the 2014 World Cup winning side um, um, <clears throat> but since winning that competition in um, in 2014 it's just been a downward slide obviously Yogi Love lost his lost his that side basically retired the likes of Feinsteiger Lamb uh, Goethe obviously had his injury problems and, and dropped out of the side and uh, Ozil obviously has had we know about his issues we've, we've seen them at Arsenal and so on there are many you know Kiddi, Sammy, Sammy Kadir as well yeah yeah all of all of them left Boatang. what should have happened at that time was that Yogi Love should have um, should have retired at that time as well and quit while he was ahead but um, he he didn't, and he stayed on, and he took them then through a fairly poor Euro 2016 campaign, a disastrous World Cup 2018 campaign, and aside from one game against Portugal where they were helped massively by two almost inexplicable own goals, um, they you know they, they they haven't won a game at, at this tournament either. So, 
it's it's not great. It's not great at all. And if, you know, if you look at the the Nations League um, games, you know, since since well since the World uh, since the World Cup, if you go back there, they lost one nil against Mexico. Let's just remind everyone they they lost one nil against Mexico. They uh, beat Sweden with a last-minute goal, I think by, maybe it was Tony Cruz, I think it was a last-minute goal, uh, which saved their bacon and kept them in for another game. They then had to beat South Korea, or not lose against South Korea to go through. They lost that 2-0, so they crashed out. Nations League, match day one of six, they uh, they drew with France 0-0. They then lost to the Netherlands 3-0. They lost to France 2-1. They drew with the Netherlands 2-2. And so on and so on and so on. They've had a little bit more success in the in the um in the qualifiers. Isn't there a, did, did you, you might have I might have missed it, but wasn't there a Spain 6-0 in There's there somewhere? There's a 6-0 in there. In is that a friend? League, is it the Nations League? Yeah. It's the Nations League match day 6 of 6. Um, the only games they won in the Nations League were against the Ukraine, 2-1 and 3-1. Um, they've had a shocker, essentially, and they've been poor for, for quite a while. And coming into the tournament, they were also poor. Um, and they lost, to, I mean, they lost to North Macedonia in a World Cup qualifier, a real World Cup qualifier played in Germany. Um, not long ago, March the 31st of this year, and they lost 2-1. That's the North Macedonia we saw in the in the Euro Championships, who basically only have a 38-year-old 30 year as a recognised Go- yeah. uh, striker, or Gordon, a recognised Gordon, pa- yeah. Gordon Pandev's North Macedonia. That's it, that's it. Future president Gordon Pandev. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah, so I mean, they're very, very poor. So while England won the game and won the game professionally enough, 2-0, you would say that's good. Uh, they, and, and they never were never under the cosh or anything. As you said, they did give away big chances. Germany should be ahead long before England are. Uh, Werner misses a big chance in the first half. All he needs to do is lift it slightly and he, and he dinks uh, your man with the small arms, Pickford. Um, and we know Thomas Muller's miss is huge at 1-0. You're thinking if that goes in, at the very least, that's going to extra time and penalties, or certainly extra time. It, you never know, Germany could even turn it around. So it's, a, so it's a big miss. For me, this England team, with, with, with the quality that it has, should have blown that Germany side out of the water. Now, I know they're playing defensive football based on a completely pointless um, bit of research that Gareth Southgate's done where he's investigated all stuff that doesn't make any difference uh, and trying to all stuff from the past with completely different circumstances and trying to apply it to the present with completely different circumstances and, and hoping to get the same result. But he thinks that that's logical. So that's fine. And as long as they're winning games, that'll be fine for the British public. I Hasten to say though, and I, I would this one little word of warning: England haven't played a good side yet, despite having played Germany. They haven't played a good side yet. They may not have to because they're up against Ukraine in this next round, and, and from what we've seen, Ukraine are solid. But 
again, this England side should have no problems. If they struggle, questions need to be asked. Yeah, you would expect that. But, you know, I think this is going to, I think this game is going to be really interesting for the fact that this is the one game that they won't play at Wembley. This is being played in Rome. It's going to be hot. Um, Yes, they haven't played a good side. I think if this had been Sweden, as I hoped it would be and expected it would be, I would be expecting Sweden to probably go and win that game because, you know, they're basically the Czechs with far better attacking players, probably far better players overall. Um, So I don't know. There's something about this Ukrainian side that just makes me think they have have a chance. Yarmolenko is one of those one of those players we were talking about, the David Healy sort it. of player that just becomes <laughs> becomes ten times the player he is when he pulls on his national shirt. Um, and he's been fantastic. Uh, the centre forward Yarmolenko I think is useful. Um, Zinchenko is there. He's you know probably he's very their captain, high. isn't he? And and he he plays up for them as well. Yeah, very highly respected within the squad, I'm sure. And you know. They've got this absolute hero. They've got the opposite of Gareth Southgate as their leader. Like, he's literally the opposite of Gareth Southgate. Well, that's it. Gareth Southgate's one of English football's greatest villains, having missed the penalty, which, as we started the show talking about Mbappe, was bringing it back to Gareth Southgate, never being forgotten for missing, for missing that penalty in Euro 96. And he's forever been atoning for that, and 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 this is part of his penance. Um, let's see if 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 he makes it. Yeah, I, I can hear I hear what you're saying about Ukraine. They're they're an annoying side for England. I mean, they're 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 an unknown of all the sides left in it. They're the side that England will know least about, and you know they they are they're dark horses. I mean, England have played the played the Czechs, so they know them. They, they, Ukraine are are there. For me, when they lost against Austria in their last group game, I didn't think they were getting through. Then they I get thought through. they were right. I thought exactly. I thought they were right. Then, then they get through and they they manage that hundred and twentieth minute winner, and I think it's a horse that scored. Like, but but anyway, you know, he honestly, like what a finish to a game. What a finish to a game. Like we've been really blessed here because. You know, four of the eight games went to extra time. You know, it was absolutely and, brilliant. And only a couple ended up with penalties. Which one, nice. only one. And only the only two, the France. Wasn't it two? No, only the oh, France. No, only one. It was only yeah, one. only the French game ended up in penalties. And, you know, what what an end. What an end of the match. I felt really sorry for Sweden. I think, as I said to you before, I think they've really impressed me. I think the red card was harsh. Forsberg... Force, I, I would nearly be as I would nearly go as far as to say that, regardless of what happens in the rest of the tournament, Forsberg should be in with a shout of Player of the Euros, because I think he's been absolutely brilliant, and he's he could, I, he, he's he's inches away from scoring a hat trick in that game. He is, and he's unlucky. He's unlucky because. They're both great efforts, and after good work by him as well, and 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 you know good link up, and and 
Yeah, you just know when he cuts and he hits that the one that hits the bar, he just puts slightly too much on it. And if either of those go in, I don't see the Ukraine coming back. No, nope. uh, in that game. But the, the thing Sweden the were men, dominant. They were dominant. They hang in. They yeah. hang in and they hang in. And there's nothing. I mean, if, if there's something I've noticed about this England side, is that it loves to flatter itself. It loves to hold the ball and keep the ball and keep the ball and 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 kid itself. It's in control of the game because it's got the ball. And for me, that's that's the Ukrainians have come through that against Sweden. And if they could just nick one on the break or from a set piece, then yeah, you never know. Personally, though, I'm expecting England to England to win this. But yeah, there's a lot to be said also about them having to travel and having to play. You know, not in front of a home crowd. Not enough of that has been made of that either. The fact that they basically had four home games so far. Yeah, um, 100%. They've had four home games and scored four goals. And yeah. honestly, like honestly, somehow haven't conceded. And I really don't know how they haven't conceded a goal. I don't know who's... My issue is I don't know who's getting... Who's, who's showing the videos for Pickford because... Players are trying to put it on a postage stamp, and it's like this is Jordan Pickford. This is this is not Donnarumma. This is not this is not you know Allison. This is this is Jordan Pickford. But uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so yeah, we shall see what 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 transpires in that one. So uh, Germany, Ukraine, then England, Ukraine. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, Freudian slip there. Um, so yeah, sorry. Ukraine, England, Saturday the third of July, nine p.m. Czech Republic, Denmark is the six p.m. kickoff. Um, I actually fancy the Czechs in that one. Who who did you who did you like in that? You you think Denmark or? Yeah, I think yeah, I think dude. Denmark. I think Denmark. I think, like I said, I think there's. There's, there's too much good feeling around that group of players at the minute. And I think they have scattered, underrated quality within that side um, that isn't recognised as highly as it should be. So Fair. I think, is it is it the other, the, the young fellow, Damsgaard as well, has been absolutely super. Poulsen, I think, is a great player. Um Really industrious, his movements really clever. He drops into really intelligent pockets of space. Reminds me a little bit of Firmino, um, maybe not as skillful, but certainly a little bit more mobile. Um, as I said, Brathwaite has been good, um, and they've got I think the the Irish fell in the middle of the park. I like as well. <laughs> Thomas Delaney, is that what you call him? That's it, Delaney. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I I think I think there are more talented group of players than than people give them credit for, and I think people maybe thought that when when Ericsson, um had his incident, um, maybe I think maybe people thought they were more reliant on him than they actually are. So do you know what I mean? So I think that yeah, potentially, potentially. Yeah. So I think I think they carry a real threat. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go England. We're gonna go Denmark in those two games. Dead on, and I, th- I think we both agreed we'd, we'd probably go Italy in in Italy Belgium. So that leaves Spain and Switzerland, and 
I mean, the obvious the obvious choice there is Spain, and we've said how they 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 look good. I mean, nothing's really been going according to the form book sort of so <laughs> well. far, but but I can't really see beyond them in that one. I think I think what we did see is that certainly against Croatia is that <laughs> Spain aren't great at the back. They're, not. They're vulnerable for sure. Yeah, they are vulnerable. You know, the goalkeeper, especially of of crosses into the box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Laporte's kind of been parachuted in there. Maybe not the best idea, but again, that's kind of like the that's kind of like the Thomas Muller thing. It's kind of like the Benjamin thing. It kind of smacks the desperation that we really need. We really need a decent centre half. What about your man? He played in Spain for a while. Has he got citizenship? He has. I or I think they maybe got him it last year or something. Or he got it last year and they got right happy day. Bring him in and he's just stepped straight into the side. And I think in Lucian Ricky just weird like hasn't he subbed hasn't he changed the centre half with like fifteen minutes to go in every game? Like mad yeah. mad, like mad, mad things with his subs sometimes. So like, I wouldn't be ruling out Switzerland. I really wouldn't be. And if you're talking about they're vulnerable from crosses, fucking hell, that big lad, lad Seferovic, he doesn't have love a header by the looks of things. He does indeed, doesn't he? I mean, it's amazing. He's another, he's another um, Serbian who, or a former former Slav anyway, who's, who's been naturalised into, into into the Swiss side. But he's he is a, an absolute, he loves a header. He yeah, he plays in he plays in Germany, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, you know, and I think Mbolo's been good. Um, he's been one. I think he's he was touted for big big things, and it hasn't really happened for him. But I heard that this Sweden team has been together from like under seventeen level, you know, um, and they've come all the way through the the, the various different age groups, and they seemed, uh, I think. Was it Rory Smith said, like, supposedly this is the best Swiss side in history. This is the best side Switzerland have ever had. He's not. He's 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 moved on from from Germany. He was uh, at Frankfurt for the um, Seferovic, by the way. He was at Frankfurt for three seasons, four seasons, but he has moved on now. He's at Benfica and has right. been for a couple of years. Okay. So he's and he's got fifty four and one hundred and ten in the league for for Benfica. So he's about one and two, pretty much bang on one and two. Don't think he can really argue with one and two, to be honest. No, not at all. And he's he's doing well for he's doing well for for he's got twenty four and seventy eight for Switzerland, and that probably doesn't include any of the goals in the in the tournament so far. So, yeah, and if uh, you want to go and check that, I think. 24, that's about the same ratio as Mbappe's for France, if you want to look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, 1-3 is great for an international striker. Absolutely great. It's a funny uh, one. I, I always looked at, if I was looking at forwards and how good that they may be or how good I thought they were, I always looked at their international record. I always thought that was really interesting. And Like, bar the obvious, well, I, not even, like, um, if you're scoring better than 1-2 at international level, you're an absolute superstar. Like, I think, I don't even know if Messi's 1-2. Ronaldo's like, I know he scored over 100 goals, is 102 or something like that, but it's like an 175 caps. So that's not loads better than one and two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, even the very best strikers don't, uh, 
you know, don't have massively amazing international records. No. It's so not uh, not such not so easy, you know. No. Uh, so well, they're not. Well, again, this is the other thing. They're they're not. They might be the best striker in the world, but they're they're at when they sometimes when they go to their national side, they're not playing in the best national team in the world. Well, that's Some, it. sometimes not even close. Yes, that's Georgie. Yeah, that's just uh, Georgie. So, what do you think? <laughs> Are you still going to go with Spain, or have I convinced you otherwise? Yeah, no. I mean, what I find great about these quarterfinals is that they can all you can make a case for each of them going either way. So. I'm going to stick with Spain, but it it could be it could could go anyway. Um, as you said, Spain are very vulnerable at the back. Switzerland have just beaten France. Granite Jack and missing could be a bit of a factor, but you just never know. You really don't. Belgium Italy is another one, probably the 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 tastiest match on paper, and probably potentially maybe the two best teams left in the competition. Being of a shout for that as well. Um, so yeah, that could go either way. We plum for Italy, but you know Belgium could easily turn it on and 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 come out winners. Czech Republic against Denmark again could go either way. I fancy the Czechs. You fancy Denmark and Ukraine against England. England should win that, but Ukraine should should not be there. But they're still in there. They're still hanging in. Sneak through the groups. They've sneaked through in the next round, and you know I wouldn't back against um something something happening in this one either so yeah none of them are formalities um yeah i think my only sort of going against the grain or going against the potential favorite there in those matches would be to say i think check the czechs are going to beat denmark otherwise i think it probably will be spain italy and england but yeah, you can laugh at me next week when we're when we're looking at the at the at the semis and you know it's um, Switzerland against Belgium and, and Denmark against Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, I think if nothing else, this this uh, this tournament has um, exceeded in making fools out of absolutely everybody, um, and it will probably continue to do so. I think what I find interesting, Chief, is that this is like this is probably the aside from maybe the FA Cup, this is probably as pure knockout football as you can get, even with the group stages, because. You, you know, it's impossible to completely manipulate it in the favour of the big sides the way they well, can in the, the way they can in the Champions League, especially when you know there's you only play each other once and it, there's neutral venues um, for well generally. So this is why we have like literally we've only got two we've only got two serial winners at international level left in the last eight and they're both in the same side of the draw and you could argue Spain aren't even really serial winners you know they had a, a, an unbelievable kind of six year spell where they were by far and away the best team in the world and, and they capitalised on it but Italy are really the only team there that could you know the only country there that could really be viewed as giants of well, the international they, they've, game they've done it over the decades again and again both European and, and World Cup levels. Yeah. So, you know, it was so only, yeah, what, 15 years ago? Was it, when did Spain win the World Cup? Spain won the World Cup in 2010. 2010, so 2008. So, you know, 13 years ago, 15 years ago, we were talking about, like, Spain were talked about as... 2008, 2010, 2012, Spain won all those tournaments. Yeah, so 15 years ago, 
only 15 years ago, Spain were talked about as perennial underachievers. That was what they okay. were. They were they were the team that came into tournaments with all the talent in the world and, and went out. absolutely bombed every single time. So, 100%. So, so yeah, you've got you've got really one giant in there and one one whose reputation has been bloated in in the last kind of 15 years and the winner could really come from anywhere. No, absolutely. I mean, and that but we we have our money on that on that giant and on that note I I hope at least go on and and not just not just for from for my bank balance but also given that they as we mentioned, they've probably consistently been the best team in the tournament so far. But that could all change. And yeah, we've got four cracking quarterfinals to look forward to, which, as we've just discussed, you know, will provide plenty of excitement. None of them are, are predictable. The tournament certainly hasn't been. So on that note, then, it just uh, remains for me to to thank my uh, my esteemed partner tonight, uh, Dave Dunning. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Dave, for chatting through this. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, to thank you, listener, if you've if you have stuck with us, uh, you're you well, you're you're a better person than I am. Um, so uh, well done for that. And in the meantime, up the unpredictable Euro 2020.